when I graduated high school, I wanted to be president of the United States back then. <laughs> and so it, I was too, I was too young. I was 17. And um, I was told that I needed to be at least 25 to like run for Congress or something. I'm like, seven and a half years. Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of the Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle podcast. So Smiley, you know, we've had a wide variety of different guests on the show in the past. Neurosurgeons, authors, business owners. I'm excited to, to share that we have a, uh, a mayor, a current mayor, politician on the show. And what's, what's exciting about that is that, you know, the world of politics sometimes can be confusing. It, can, it comes with a lot of different uh, preconceived ideas. And hopefully we'll get a chance to, you know, get, get, get a sense of what happens behind the scenes in the world of politics. And more importantly, why this particular guest is potentially the best candidate for the seat that she's currently running for. So with that, let me read the, read the bio here. Uh, of our current guest. Dr. Nancy Young is a trailblazing leader and advocate for community empowerment. Currently serving her second term as the first elected female and first African-American mayor of Tracy, California. During her 11-year tenure on Tracy's city council, she spearheaded initiatives that revitalized the city, including balancing the budget, expanding the mayor's youth network and establishing Tracy's first emergency housing facility. Dr. Young's passion for fostering genuine community connections is evident through her extensive volunteer work with civic organizations and nonprofits, where she prioritizes breaking down barriers and fostering growth opportunities for all members of society. With a background in corporate leadership, and a doctorate from UC Berkeley, Dr. Young has a wealth of experience in her to her experience for, in her role, aiming to inspire others to shadow, shatter barriers and uplift their communities. Dr. Young, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I just I just want to just make a just a slight update um, as far as my degrees. I do have a bachelor's from UC Berkeley. I have an MBA, but have a doctorate from Good News Bible Seminary. So just want to be clear on that one. Appreciate yes. It. Okay. Thank you. So uh, politics, you know, that's a unique area, right? People, you know, when we're kids, sometimes, you know, we have dreams of becoming a, a lawyer, uh, you know, getting into corporate America, uh, being a pilot, whatever the case may be. Talk to me about your journey mm-hmm. to getting into politics? Where did the idea come from? How did it start? How did you end up here? You know, one of my mantras is your voice matters. Everybody's voice matters. When I was a kid, it goes all the way back to, I could say, second grade. When I'm sitting in my classroom and kids would be complaining about, would complain about things. And they were like, well, that's not what the teacher said. And so I would be the one to raise my hand and say, Miss mm, So-and-so, that's not what you said. You said this, this, and this. And they were like, really? I did? And so I realized that if you're just respectful, that you can always get your voice over. You don't have to be afraid to be able to speak out. When I was a kid, I realized that the worst that anyone can say was no, you know, when I asked for something, you know. So I, I decided at that point that I wanted to be able to help amplify other people's voices, as well as the things that I that I thought should be. I wanted a seat at the table. And so that's how I always just became 
part of decision making. And so when I got, by the time I got to high school, I was student body president. I did all of that kind of stuff. I was yearbook editor. I, I not only participated in sports, like I ran track, but I was also the manager for the gymnastics team. I, I did the stats for the football team. I just like been involved in my life and all the things that go along with that. I was always a school site council, like representative, even when I was in my master's program, when I got my MBA, I was, um, I took the issues of our class and brought it to the main decision makers for the schools. So I wanted to just make sure that, you know, the right things needed to be amplified. And so when I graduated high school, I wanted to be president of the United States back then. <laughs> and so it, I was too, I was too young. I was 17. Young. And um, I was told that I needed to be at least 25 to like run for Congress or something. I'm like seven and a half years. And so I thought about it briefly. I thought about it briefly when I was 25. But at that particular point in life, I was working full time for Lamb Research. I had I was pregnant with my second son and we were just about to start our church ministry. My husband and I were about to start pastoring. And so when my second son was two months old, we did. We started our our ministry and I had just clicked over to 26. But at the time, I'm like, there's way too much going on in my life. I can't, I can't do this. But of course, I was always active in our community. I led mentor programs. And so for me, ministry is the foundation for everything that I do. And so giving back to others, helping others. And so when I started going to council meetings shortly after I moved to Tracy, I decided that, you know, I, I went there just to see how I can be of help in the community. What are the options? opportunities. I didn't know that I would one day run for city council or mayor. See, sometimes we see things in front of us and we see these grand things or whatever it is, whether we do want to be a police officer or whether we want to be a doctor or whatever. And so what I saw was the president. I didn't really see and recognize that there was council and there there were mayors. There was other entities that govern local cities. And so as I sat there and I looked at all the decision makers and I listened, I sat there in the audience for four years before I ran for council. And then I decided to, you know what? I need to go ahead and do this. All my kids are, I already had some grown kids and I had, my kids were growing up. And I felt like I had a little bit more time to devote within the community besides the full-time job in the ministry that we were already doing at the mentor program I was already running. So I decided to go ahead and run for council. And so I, I served eight years as a council member, which is the maximum that you can serve in the city of Tracy. And then um, I ran for mayor. And, you know, as as God would have it be, I won. And so if you look at the data and you look at the polls, they were like, oh, Nancy not winning. But then yeah. Nancy won. And so then I ran for I ran for reelection. And uh -huh. so I won again. And now I'm serving out the maximum term, which is 12 years. So this I'm in my 12th year. And I will turn out this year. So, but my involvement altogether really in leading is really just from a point of serving others and how can I be most effective mm. in whatever arena that is. And being at the seat makes, a, at the table, in the seat and making seats for others to come up to the table yeah, is what yeah. I enjoy doing. You listen to your story, Dr. Young, it's clear that you are one of those, it's kind of a natural born leader. Right. You mentioned that at a very young age, you had no problems speaking up uh, and, you know, going to those that have the, the uh, power and saying, hey, here's what, you know, my group is feeling and, and saying and we want things to be changed or I want to bring this to your attention. 
and you just carry that through your life, and here you are, you know, doing it in, uh, in the world of, of politics. I want to pass it to Smiley here, but before I do, tell me this. What is a message you would give to those that look at the current climate as it relates to politics and feel like, yeah, my voice doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter. What would you say to them? You know, now I have, have hashtags on my social media that I just started doing about a month ago. And it says your hashtag, your voice matters, hashtag your vote matters. Because it really does. You know, sometimes people, they feel like they're not being heard. The thing is that it's important that people at least are recognized for the effort that they make. I sat in a council meeting one day when I was not on the council. And I listened to the five, the five white gentlemen up there give their input on a particular issue. And different ones came up to the podium to speak, pouring out their heart. And then at the end, the vote was just simply no, 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 no. All five no's. And I remember at the break, I walked up to the mayor and I said, you know what? I know you're not a mom, but maybe you need to reach into that tender father side of yourself. And at least recognize that these people came up here and poured out their hearts. And at least say, recognize that you hurt them. But your decision has to be no for whatever reason. But don't just be so cold like it was. I'm just like, so sometimes it's people being able to have those conversations. I've made many um, friends and close associates because we've had those hard conversations. And so sometimes the needle is moved and I may change my mind or they may change their mind. Or we agree that. This is just not something we're going to agree on. But when we actually have that ability to speak and to have accessibility, I think that's the most important thing, having the accessibility, because then it, it can help form decisions. One of the quotes, if you look on the web, the city's website, it says, I come to meetings with enough information to make a decision, an educated decision, but I come with enough openness to change my mind. So everyone has the ability, if they're bold enough to say something or write something or tell somebody else something, because I'll fight for them on the dais, even if they're afraid to come in and say something, but votes matter. Because when people don't exercise their voice, they can say, I love you. But if they don't go out there and vote for you, then the alternative will happen. And then you'll have someone else in place that's not qualified or that doesn't have a heart to serve. There's too many people in political positions right now that are there from a power stance instead of from a servant stance. And so everybody's voice does matter. Every vote matters. I don't know, I need to check um, if it's true, but I heard years ago that Hitler won by one vote. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and if that is true, that is devastating because all it took was one more or two more people true. to come up and vote, no, not you, but for somebody else to be able to come in. So everybody, everybody matters. I, I want to try not to misquote you, but you said, I come to the decision, I come with enough information to make a decision, but I come with the openness to change my, my mind or to change my heart. How did you say that? That, that, was, that was like a yeah. t-shirt for Logan. I know. So how, do, well, how did the last part <laughs> yeah, of that, that again. go? <laughs> so I, I come to the meetings with enough information to make an educated okay. decision, but... I come with enough openness to change my oh, mind. Oh, I love that. I love that. So tell me, for our listeners, we have listeners all over the globe. And um, where is Tracy, California? In regards, are you close to San Jose? Are you close to San Francisco? Where are you close to? 
I'm almost equal distance from both of those. So the reality is I grew up in Southern California, but I live in Northern California. Tracy is, this is how I explain it when I go all over the country. I'm 60 miles east of San Francisco. I'm 60 miles south of Sacramento, but I'm kind of diagonal um, northeast from 60 miles from Ooh. San Jose as well. So I have options when I'm flying in and out and I'm closer to Oakland What about too. Fresno? Because are you closer to Fresno or you, because I, I work in Nevada. We have a headquarter in Nevada. I grew up, not grew up, I lived in Huntington Beach, worked in Fresno. Okay. So when Dre mentioned Tracy, I was like, I didn't want to waze it, but I'm like, where's Tracy? So you're literally right there in the heart of the, the state, huh? Yeah, so we're, we're considered Central Valley. Um, the although part of Fresno is a whole nother Central Valley as well. I drive through Fresno when I'm on my way back to, to Southern California to visit with my family. And so Fresno is maybe two hours south okay. from here, just depending on what point in Fresno that I'm going. Now, and also you mentioned you're at the 12th year of your term. So you're going to term out. So in yes. hindsight, if you're speaking with Dr. Young, in year one or two of her term as a mayor, what would you say to yourself? Being you have 12 years of wisdom and experience, what would you have said to yourself to do something differently or would it be the same course? You know, um, I'm in my second, well, mayor is only two years. Oh, so two. I'm in my second two year term as mayor. But even going back, you know, to the beginning part of it, all along the way you make, you know, you make, um, decisions based on the information that you get. And for me, I've always gone out and I've talked to others and it's many sides of an issue that I can, because it's not just always two sides, yeah. <laughs> it's multiple sides. So I try to get enough information. Um, but one thing I probably didn't, didn't account for early on was the other leaders that I serve with. I have for many years, been able to work with the most difficult people. That's why I love mentoring. I, it's like, give me the worst, give me the hardest young people because I can help them because real change comes from within. But I think when people really know that you care about them, then they're more pliable and, and willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that in, in leadership, when you have the different ones on the council and I'm like, why are people always counting to three? You know, count the majority. I'm collaborative. I want everybody to come together, you know, to make the best decisions possible. And so when I first got on the council, the original mayor who was there, he was very collaborative. And so it didn't have to be one way or another. We were able to kind of massage the issues and the decisions into something that we all could agree mm -hmm. with. And so that's how I thought that it should work and that it would just work. But over time, I realized how other key people were really placed there mm -hmm. at that dais with me. And I was just focused on issues and focused on helping others. I didn't realize how important it is to help develop other leaders and look out for other leaders that will be there alongside you to make sure that things can move forward. What I've noticed is that over the last few years, a lot of things that we've accomplished, when you don't have people there with the same mindset, then you have stagnation or you have blockage. And so I, right now I'm focusing more on next generations of leaders not just next generations, period, but next generations of leaders that are not necessarily younger than me, just the next lineage that's coming in to leadership. And so for that, you know, I think I've always encouraged myself all along the way, you know, not to sweat the small stuff, not to sweat the big stuff that comes along. You know, I have my own vices for 
um, dealing with things, whether I'm writing notes to myself, encouraging myself. One of my notebooks for a while um, that I wrote my council notes in had scriptures at the bottom. So I have to read my biblical scriptures as I'm going to, you know, help keep myself encouraged. And, and, you know, those are just some of the things that I probably would have instituted a little earlier on. I was always writing, but, you know, just really looking out, not just for who's on the dais right now, but who's coming in so that you can really continue to make progress because everyone does not appreciate the history of the past. Everyone does not appreciate the shoulders that they stand on, but I do. No, that's phenomenal. Before I turn it over to Dre, I had a discussion with some of my neighbors or some people in my neighborhood trying to emphasize the the importance of voting at all levels, local, city, state, government, federal, and where some of them just believe they only need to show up at the federal elections. Can you comment on how important it is for local participation in the political spectrum, regardless of what side you're on, just to be involved. Because I was like, they're like, I only vote every four years. I don't care about the local stuff. I'm like, no, you got to stay involved. Every every primary, everything matters, even at the local. So you have a comment on that before I turn it over to Drake. Drake. Especially at the local level, people should be involved in paying attention. As I've been walking these precincts, sometimes, you know, people are just excited to see me. It's like, oh, good. I vote for you. Those are the easier ones. And I'm so excited about that. But others, you know, I talked to them like, well, I, I saw this person. I read this. I'm like, and it sounds good. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's, mm, that's not the best choice. But the reality of it is when it comes to your leadership and when it comes to how things actually get done, local level is the most closest touch point that you have. Because even if you're president and even if the president, so say our current president, you know, say we're going to put a lot into, we're going to put billions into infrastructure and roads and repairs. That's wonderful. But that's up here at the federal level. But it has to funnel down to the state level. Our state legislators have to make sure that we're getting a part of that money. But it, it, it doesn't just stay good to just stay at the state level. So say it comes to California, but it can all go to Los Angeles. I love Karen Bass. She serves on another board with me, but I need stuff up here. And so when it comes to California, I need it to be pulled down to the county. I serve on several county boards. I serve on SJ San Joaquin Council of Governments. And we deal with infrastructure and finances that need to be funneled from our county that goes to the local level. So when I'm sitting up there in those meetings, I need to make sure that Tracy's not being forgotten about. I need to make sure that when I'm sitting at a national level, which I will be next week in Washington, D.C. for the NARC, which is part of, I'm a representative for our San Joaquin Council of Government on that national board. I need to make sure that things are coming down to our counties. And, and when even when we were going through the pandemic and the finances, a lot of the chunks of the original stimulus money to the cities under their different umbrellas, they were going to the larger cities and not to the smaller cities. We have 100,000 people. Ours is considered small in that respect. And so we're larger than some, but there are others that are much larger. So they were going to key ones. But the mayors across the country, we were on the phone together. We were on calls and we made sure that we got that money directly sent to our cities and looked at all levels of cities because we were all impacted um, without with our, our employees being able to come into work, all the different businesses that weren't able to function. So we weren't getting the sales tax. It was a lot of different things. These are the hands on things. So that money that our president says, it won't reach here unless our local elected officials 
are getting those funds and not only getting those funds, but have a plan and a vision for how it's going to be carried out in our individual communities. So people are missing out on the larger picture because you can have stuff there, but just because it's available doesn't mean that it makes it to you and it's carried out for your community. I'm so glad you said thank that. You. I'm thankful for Smiley's question because it's a great segue to what's going on in Tracy. So when we think about Tracy, you know, you being the current mayor, what's the biggest challenge the city's facing and what's your plan to address it? Or perhaps there's more than one. So for me, I mean, I have some things that I really want to complete while I'm still here this last year. Um, I'm grateful for all the experiences that I have on regional levels because it helps me to think at a, at a higher level to know that everything that happens in our city affects the cities around us, affects the region around us, affects our state, affects our country, and affects our world. I'm actually part of Bloomberg Harvard Project, which is 40 mayors from across the world that we come together and we deal with different issues and challenges that we're facing in our own communities, our states, our, our countries. And I would say one of the biggest things overall is behavior and mental health. There's a lot of things that we deal with one-on-one. So like a few years back, actually going all the way back to when I first got on the council in 2012, 2013, I was really dealing with homelessness and the issue of homelessness and what are we going to do to address it? This was before 2020. So we were able to start getting things put in place ahead of time. We had a strategic plan already developed by 2019 before 2020 came. But then when I start really thinking about a lot of the factors that go into homelessness, besides behavior and mental health, um, I, I was thinking about housing, how some people become homeless because they can't afford their homes or if they get evicted, they definitely can't step back in. It's kind of like double dutch. The game goes faster and faster and faster. I mean, you can do a single rope. And then if you can't handle that rope, once you get out, it's like fast double dutch. You can't jump back in. And so I started focusing on affordable housing. And then when 2020 came and we had all type of restrictions and kids couldn't go to school, you know, it's a number of things that really, that really get to me. So, and it's, so I started focusing on um, restoring learning loss. And then being able to really highlight the different um, entities that were working on doing that. And then we went right into behavior and mental health last year. But overall, I've been working on workforce development because I, I, it hit me earlier last year that it doesn't matter the status of, I remember my dad used to preach. He said, I don't care if gas is 1995. God is going to always make a way for me to get to where I got to go. And so, you know, it doesn't matter that on one level that housing is getting ridiculously priced. It's very hard, difficult to, you know, have a nice home that or maybe your adult children to be able to have that independence that you have to live together. Not that you want to. I mean, I love my adult children. But, you know, <laughs> but people to be able to have, I'd love for them to be able to have their independence. And so to be able to have that, it becomes a choice and not just because you have to. And so if you have affordability that people, families don't have to move away or be split up, but they, they can stay together. But if you have the workforce ability, if you have, if we're upscaling in our community, then they have the skills to be able to make the finances that they need to pay for whatever it is that they need to. So it's a lot of different factors that go together. But I think probably right now, the mental and behavioral health is off the spectrum, especially from, you know, coming from even 2020. 
I think that a lot of people are really debased in their thinking. Um, and so people ask me about murders and how come, you know, all these crimes. But I'm like, if people don't feel, if they don't respect themselves and they don't respect other people, they don't respect their belongings. People feel like they can just steal and do whatever because the law opens it up where they can take more without having that much of a penalty. Then, you know, how easy is it for somebody just to disrespect somebody else's life? And so it's, 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 we're living in a time right now that, you know, people feel like they could get on the line, the air and say whatever they want to say. And other people better listen to it and, it. and it becomes the truth because they said it. And so it's a challenge right now that what we're dealing with in our world. But for the city of Tracy, there's, there's multiple things. Um, it's not just homeless. It's not just affordability, but that is an issue across the world right now. But it's, it's about our emotional wellness and being able to handle whatever we deal with. Dr. Young, tell me this. You've had over a decade of experience in politics. You have a large network that you've discussed and different boards you serve on. Um, this is clearly a passion of yours. What's next? What's right around the corner for you? Are you going to stop? Are you going to end politics once this term is over? What's next? You got another, are you, do you have another campaign going on? Talk to me. You know, I do have another campaign going on. Initially, though, maybe three years ago, I was like, you know, when I'm done with this mayor, because I really want to do some more things for my city, I'm going to run for Senate. I was going to do some more other things. But then I have a friend who, who was running for Senate. And because she does so many wonderful things in our community, we worked with um, with youth, with mentoring, and she served in my council for four years with me. I said, you know what, I'm going to step back. And I think I'm just going to work on helping develop leaders of today and tomorrow and just work on helping them develop and grow and be real servant, servant leaders. But then I was, of course, I was approached by several other leaders like, you're going to do what? You're not going to, you're not going to stay involved? What about all the many things that you do now? And I, then, I, then I really prayed and thought about it for over a year. I'm just really trying to seek God's direction as to what he would have me do with the information and the knowledge and the relationships that I have now. And so that is what led me to run for county supervisor district number five for San Joaquin County. So our, our county is broken into five districts. And so the one district that covers Tracy also covers Mountain House, the city of Mountain House and covers the city of Ripon and the city of Escalon. And so if you haven't heard of Tracy, I'm sure you probably haven't heard of those. <laughs> so those are even those are even smaller than Tracy. Um, when I first came to UC Berkeley in college, I was we were coming up the five freeway and I fell asleep because my mom was driving. And and when I woke up, I woke up to see windmills all around me. And I'm like, where are we? Are we in the same state? Mom said, yes, we're, we're almost there, almost to Berkeley. We were about an hour away at that particular point. But if you're driving through and you see all these windmills, that, that was Tracy. That's Tracy. That is Tracy. And so um, it, it, it's been um, a journey to you know be here. And I, I just know that the many different boards that I serve on, the information that I've received, whether it's in transportation, whether it's in housing, um, whether it's for education, it's, it's a lot of things that that will help us to continue to build forward on a regional level, on this county level, 
the county level to what I'm excited about is that the county gets to deal with the funds that deal with social issues, whether it's homelessness, whether it's whether it's more of economic development, whether it's um, behavioral mental health. And so a lot of those funds are untapped into if people aren't looking for it, if, if our leaders in those positions aren't looking to see how they can you know, move that along to help develop within our communities, the funds just sit there and, and are not allocated as they need to be. And so there's a lot of things right there that I'm concerned about, that I am anxious to be able to connect with all of our communities. See, different leaders, they're not always there for everyone. They're just maybe the people who like them or that's aligned with them. But when you're leading, it's never about, it should never be about um, partisanism and, you know, being whether I'm a Democrat or Republican or a Libertarian or, you know, whether I'm Black or whether you're white or whatever it is, it should be about people. And every different, you know, there's a lot of things that we all have in common. And there's different things that make us unique, that make us unique in our own cultures and our own practices. But it doesn't mean that we can't all flourish together. And so when we're looking out to see how we can help one another, when I'm called into meetings with different races or different cultures, I'm excited to go and to learn more about what they're doing and to see how our communities can better serve each one of them. And so that is what walking into this county supervisor is for me. You know, I can continue to focus on safety while some may look at just the police aspect. And I can say, hey, we restored all of our frozen positions when we balanced the budget. We not only did that, but we added 10 more police officers to the city of Tracy for safety because people need to not only be safe, but feel safe. But it's not just the top part down, but it's the bottom up, too. That's why mentoring is important to me. I'm trying to keep people out of the system. I'm trying to help turn, change people's lives so that, you know, and the more people that I, that I help and others help mentor, it makes them into better citizens. And then you don't have to worry about your house being broken into. You don't have to worry about somebody coming to shoot and kill you. You, you can have good people that's around you. And so I'm looking at all levels. It's, it's more than one way to get to a solution. I'll pass over to Smiley here, but one, one other question is, um, last question for me is this. You've shared quite a bit about who you are, your journey to where you are, um, and then your goal to become the county supervisor. For those listening that have, that have uh, an interest in learning more about you, for those that you know live near you and they want to you know, potentially vote for you, what's the best way for them to learn more about you and, and, and your platform and, and potentially vote for you. You have a website or anything? Yes, I do have a website. It's it's www.nancyyoungforsupervisor. So it's my just my name, Nancy Young, F-O-R, supervisor. And so dot com. So when you go look that up, you can find out more information even on the City of Tracy website just about me and some of the things um, that's been accomplished. But you can go there and you have contact information to be able to get in touch with me. See, people who are in those four those four cities can vote for me. But if you're not in those areas, if you know somebody in it, you can let them know to vote for me. You can send a donation. The information is on the screen to be on, on that particular website to be able to do that because that helps get out the word to those who can vote for me. And it's important that we have people that really care in these positions. And I am that one. I am that one um, that cares about each and every person. 
sais. You know, I'm not sure at this particular point because that really predates me. As I told you, I was 17 driving through and I saw them up there. Not There's not one new. All of them that are there have been there the whole time. So I don't know. There's actually, there's ones I saw that was like what Safeway, I think it is, but they brought in their own for um, the technology, for the wind technology, for electricity. When you mentioned the windmills, I know exactly where you are now. As we get ready to move into the final four, this has been fascinating. Tell me from your experience, from being a young person, a leader, the greatest what has been the greatest risk taken? you've ever taken? Oh my goodness, I probably becoming a mom. And the reason why I say that is because it was, I, um, my sister and I, we battled for who's the best auntie. Seeing that I'm almost 14 years older than her, I was the best auntie for years. I mean, just because she's coming up, you know, she felt, I'm like, you can be the best auntie of my kids because I'm their mama. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to be able to help take care of someone else and to be able to inspire and encourage them because my nieces and nephews that, that my niece and nephew that grew up with me, really, they're one's 32, she's an attorney and another, um, he works with Chase, he does really well. And he's, um, he just finished his bachelor's, I think working on his master's now. So they turned out to be really great, you know, young people. And then, um, but my kids, even one of my nephews, I ended up raising as one of my sons. Um, all of my kids are grown now. So my oldest that I, I inherited four. Now I inherited four when I got married. So I was all of a sudden a mother um, when I did get married. But then I birthed four. And it's been a great joy being a mother. My oldest son is 31. Then I have a 28-year-old. This coming up week, my daughter... My daughter will be 27. And then my youngest son, I have three sons and a daughter will be 20. He is 23. And so I, and, and I have eight grandchildren and the one that's always around me, he's six years old. So it's a great responsibility um, to be able to, to really just, you feel overwhelming when you become a parent of that protection and you wanted to help just help develop them into the best human being that they could possibly be. And you want them to be productive people in this world. And I, and I just tell you a story that I remember my oldest son, Benjamin, when he was little, he was getting on my nerves one day and he just seemed like he was starting to go in a bad direction. He was probably five, six years old and just being stubborn and hardheaded. And I'm like, you know what, if you, if you're familiar with the story in the Bible, when Benjamin's mother bore her, and she died. She died as she was giving birth to Benjamin. All my kids are, have biblical names. And so she named him Benoni as she was dying. And her husband said, no, his name will not be Benoni because Benoni means son of my sorrow. And then his father said, he's going to be son of the right hand, son of my right hand. And so that was Jacob. And so he named him Benjamin. And so I remember I prayed and I said, Lord, if he is going to grow up, to be a Benoni, son of my sorrow. I said, I need you to take him now. I said, because I am not gonna, I grew up in Compton, Crips and Bloods. I, I grew up to see different people not even make it to adulthood. And so it's not like he was doing Crips and Bloods, but I was like, I, he is not gonna grow up and make our lives miserable. He's not gonna be sorrowful. 
And so I said, if it is God, you can take him now while he's young. You take him on to heaven. And I remember for the next week, it was I was really, really concerned and afraid. And I'm looking, I'm watching everything. I'm like, Lord, are you going to take him? Are you going to change him? And so after about a week and he was still here, I said, okay, he's my Benjamin. He is. And he is a wonderful, he's a wonderful man, wonderful husband, wonderful father. And so from that point on, no matter what we dealt with, I knew he was going to be really that person of purpose. And so, and I relate being a mom and an aunt, the same thing when I was sitting on the dais, um, besides sitting in the audience, when I watched things, and even when I became a council member, when I got behind that dais, I had such a responsibility load on me, the responsibility for my community. It was not just looking and just helping here and there, being on different boards or being civic organizations or nonprofits. It was one thing to be a part of those and to help out pieces of the community. But when it became my responsibility to make decisions that will be far reaching for many, many years for my entire community, that was that mother feel and responsibility that I had um, to do the best for them. And so that was risk. It's risk just to step out there. And so it's a risk to um, not know what tomorrow will bring, but know that you're going to bring your yeah. best A-game to the table. What's something you wish you were better at? Well, I was at a paint party last night for a birthday. <laughs> and so <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to take me three hours to, to color in some lines that was already on the, the canvas. It took you three hours to paint my number? So, uh, <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't even numbers though, but it was almost that. So, so, I mean, my husband and my kids, my kids get it from him. They're a great artist. I can write, I can write and I can talk. I can even praise dance, but you know, I don't, I am not that artist, artist. Like, so today is church service. I will go and I will lead in praise and worship, but I wish I can play the keyboard. Like my couple of my kids and my husband, I wish that I could be better better at that. I think I'm just fine tuning as I go. You Oh, there's always something to learn. And I'm always looking to find some things. So I, I would like to find to some of my talents and I would like to find to Spanish. I took too many years of Spanish not to know it fluently right now. So. Awesome. Well, here's one. I mean, you've been in the public office, public service for quite some time. What is the one thing that people don't know about you that you wish they did know about? You? <laughs> Outside um, of painting. Just do anything um, outside. <laughs> you know, I think people, a lot of people do know that I love family. I really do. Um, and many people know I love to write. I authored several books. Um, let me think just for one moment. What One thing that people don't know about me that I wish they did. Um, some, but not on a mass level. I make a really good peach cobbler. Okay. So I'm a really good okay. cook. I'm a really good cook. There it is. That's why you're. That's why you're the favorite auntie. Because I yeah. was wondering what the criteria is. If it's food, that's why that would be my favorite auntie. Okay. The last meal. question we have for you is, what's the best compliment you've ever received? I mean, I just tell you the thing that just made me really smile yesterday, and then I'll go into um the real compliment as I was walking from door to door and I saw this little girl walking up to get in the car I just said good morning to her and I handed her dad you know one of my door hangers and just told him who I was and I, what I was running for 
And then I then I told him to have a good day and I walked away and I went to the next house. And as I was walking off the porch of the, the next house, the mom rolled down the window and she said, you know what? She said, thank you, Mayor, for what you do. She said, my daughter just said, I did not know that a girl can be a mayor. She was so excited. And I was like, absolutely, girls can be mayors. I said, I'm the first. And so in my city. And so I'm so excited about that. But what that leads into, it's just really about being able to inspire the next generation. I was on the corner waving a sign in 2022 and and the young man and his daughter walked up to me. She was six years old. And she asked me, because she'd take a picture with me. She said, I wrote a book report on you. I'm like, six years old? She did a book. She go to Montessori school. I said, but you wrote a book report on me? And she said, yeah. She said, is it true that you wrote seven books? And I'm like, yes. And so um, as we're talking back and forth, then her dad comes up and her dad is standing there and he has on a cow hat. And I was like, oh, did you go to Berkeley? Because I, I went to Berkeley. He said, no, I didn't. He said, but I did go to college because I came to one of the council meetings when I was in high school and you inspired me to go to college. And so he says, so he's been to college and he had his degree and then his daughter, next generation. That Those were the best combination of um, of just really nice things that people had to say that that really inspired me. I, have, I reset myself sometime with young people. When I know, see all the crazy adults, I have to look at innocent young people <laughs> to make me smile. That's fascinating, Dr. Young, because your light is so bright, you just don't even know where it shines. I mean, it shines on uh, so many different levels. So I want to thank you first and foremost for being on the podcast. And I think we could probably have you back on to talk about your book. So thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's been great talking to you both. And I'm happy to come back anytime. Uh, great having you on. Good luck in the, uh, in the election. Uh-huh.